how do we want to start for 2022 authors? Tina, how do we want to start? Well, my script here says <laughs> book lists. My first recommendation is... <laughs> Welcome to Book Talk Etc., a podcast bound to grow your TBR. I'm Tina from TBR Etc. And I'm Renee from It's Book Talk. This is a conversational podcast about books and more from two Midwest mood readers who are easily distracted by new releases. And today is a very special episode. We're talking about 2022 books with a special guest, Adam Sokol. We'll share something that we've been loving lately, review our latest read, and have book talk with Adam about favorite authors with 2022 releases headed our way. If you enjoy listening, we'd love for you to follow us on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. And if you have a quick minute, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or sharing us on social media. It truly helps us connect with other book lovers. And before we introduce our guest, we wanted to do a quick plug at the top of our show for our Patreon page. Signing up to be a patron is a great way to support us and to support the show. And it's also a way for you to get access to our bonus content. Head to patreon.com slash booktalk, etc. And for $5 a month, you'll get access to our master spreadsheet, our member-only Facebook page, and bonus episodes. In our upcoming bonus episodes, we'll be doing a deep dive on a book that Renee loved and that Tina was very skeptical about, The Idea of You. We will also be doing DNF chats, books we disagree on, and more. Today, we're so excited to have our very first guest joining us. Adam Sokol is a book nerd and a voracious reader. He is a marketer and the former co-host of the Professional Book Nerds podcast. He spent 11 years in the literary world and now creates and writes out marketing content and strategies for Pluralsight. He's also an inspiring writer who will read just about anything as long as it's well-written. Adam, welcome to the show. Hi, friends. I get to talk into a microphone about books. Oh, I'm so excited. Hello Yay. and welcome. Thank you. Listen, also, for everyone listening, if you want a third person to talk about Midwest weather, I am like in the triangle. Yes. I'm very close to both of these two. Just so everyone knows the day we're recording, it's like 60 degrees and overcast here in Cleveland. So we've got mm-hmm. that out there. I spent six years recording an episode where I would talk about weather that no one cared about. So I know it's something in our DNA. We literally have to speak about the weather in the Midwest. We can't help it. Very Midwestern of us. It's so and Adam, we're neighbors. We are super close. Yeah, I'm actually going to be near (laughs) you in a couple of days. Again, not that anyone will care, but I'm visiting down for a brother. My brother's birthday. We're going to the the brewery down there. We can take our dogs. So very excited. (gasps) Oh, fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We'll have to make that. I can come to Ohio. It's not very far. I mean, it's a mere five hours, really. Yeah, absolutely. Right. You were just here. You can come back. I know. And it's so funny, Adam, I just realized this is the first time that you and I are speaking. But because I listened to you for so many years, I feel like I know you and I feel like we're friends. You're absolutely right. So I, like you mentioned in the intro, for people who might not be familiar with me, I co-hosted the Professional Book Nerds podcast for six years. And this would happen all the time with authors who were listening to our podcast. I would interview them and I'd be like, so in case you're not familiar and they would cut me off, they'd be like, no, 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 no. I've been listening to your voice for four years. I feel like I know you, but you and I, we have been buddies on social media and Renee too, but like Tina and I for even longer, like we've been buddies on Instagram for a while. So you're right. Like Mm -hmm. we've never, 
Like, We've never talked, but it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's strange. And I swear, I was, you were one of the first book podcasts I ever listened to. And I remember many years ago, I got a shout out on your podcast because like I wrote in about something and I was like beyond <laughs> delighted. So this was a, this is a very fun day. Now, how long were you on that podcast? So we did, I think we did seven years total and Jill's still doing it now. She, if so, um, this is me saying if like people happen to have stopped listening when I, like it's still there. Don't, don't do that. Go keep supporting Jill and, and Overdrive and everything. Um, but yeah, I think we, we did two episodes a week for, I think, just under seven years. I was at Overdrive wow. for 11 years. And just if anyone wants to get into podcasting, don't start out doing two episodes a week. It is exhausting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't imagine. Yeah, that's that's brutal. But it was great. It was honestly like that was when I left Overdrive and did so on awesome terms to, to do a new adventure, new experience like that was by far the hardest part. Like, yes, I miss the people and I miss supporting libraries. Don't get me wrong. I love, love, love libraries, which I know we'll talk about later. But like getting to interview authors who were people that like on balance, I adored anyway beforehand. Like that has been the joy of my career so far. Like if you would have told me like, hey, you're going to read a Victoria Schwab book someday and then you're going to get to talk to her like four times and she's going to nerd out about audiobooks more so than you will. Like it's just like one of those things where like I interviewed George Saunders. I got to talk to James Patterson when I'd been doing it for like four months. Like it was just ridiculous. The people I got to talk to, and I'm sorry for name dropping. No one likes hearing that, but um, yeah, it was I so do. Much fun. I incorrect. Love we love it. It. <laughs> yeah, it was it was great. Oh, I'm still working my way through a lot of your author interviews, so I love hearing this. I love it. That makes me so happy. Like honestly. Actually, one of the books I'm going to talk about for 2022 is by the first author I ever interviewed, which we'll get to. I'm not going to spoil it. I'm going to stick to the structure of your guys' actual podcast. But um, I remember like when I first started, I had exactly like what we're kind of both or all all three of us are looking at right now. Like, you know, we had I had a word doc of like, but it was like question by question. So if you were to listen to the early episodes of the podcast where I'd be interviewing people, you could hear me reading a question. They would give me an answer. and I'd be like, "Uh uh-huh, that's great. And then I would not follow up because I didn't know how to interview people mm-hmm. and like it got to the point where I just stopped like I would I always read every book by the authors that I was interviewing and then I would research them but like I would not prepare questions I, I like forced myself without a, a safety net just to have a conversation because what I discovered with authors again like without exaggeration 100% of the authors I spoke to whether they were the biggest names in the world and they'd won Pulitzer Prizes and everything or they were first time authors they are just people and like they just want to have conversations so like i i don't know it was just like i talked to colson whitehead but i talked to colson whitehead about prince because that's what he listened to when he was writing like and i was like you're colson whitehead like he had just won a pulitzer and he's like yeah but i'm just a guy who wrote a book that people like like and they all kind of feel that way no matter how big they got because authors have this weird experience where for like half the year, at least, even if they're the biggest people in the world, like they're by themselves in a room writing a book and then they get like thrown onto a stage to talk to people. And it's just like, it's not like they're like literal rock stars who are on a stage like every single night, like many of them are just writing by themselves. So to get to have a conversation about a thing they've spent a lot of time on, like they love doing that. So I just, it was really, it was really cool to discover. And I feel much more confident now just like DMing an author and telling them I love their book just because I'm like, hey, I know that you'll probably appreciate this. That's such good perspective. I was going to p- chime in and say they are rock stars to uh, to people like us, right? Yeah. So how it, you just describing it made me feel nervous. I don't. <laughs> how did you ever get into a rhythm of 
of not treating them like rock stars and just how did you become comfortable with talking to them regularly? So the secret behind that is I didn't like I would still get very, very nervous talking to certain people. There were a few speaking of actual rock stars, like there are a few musicians that I got to interview. Ben Folds is one and Mikel Jolet is another. Mikel Jolet is the lead singer of the Airborne Toxic event. Ben Folds and the Airborne Toxic event are two like very, very cornerstone type bands of my like youth of my growing up. And so that was t- like, honestly, I was glad I was on Zoom for those because I was like nervous and I was shaking and I, but it's more so just like it, I would spend those like 10 minutes before we start recording, like every podcast does where we're chatting and I would just use that time to like ask them how their day was. And like more often than not, these super famous people, no matter who it was, will just like Lois Lowry, Joe and I interviewed Lois Lowry together and she was just, she told us, she's like, I'm just knitting and um, uh, I'm watching CNN right now. And I was like, oh, you're a human being. You are a human. You're a, you've won t- multiple Newberry Awards, but you're still a human being. And so getting to kind of have those moments, like anytime we would do live events, like we would sit down with Jojo Moyes or Jody Pico and I would be like, um, you, you're, th- uh, and they would just, but they just talk to us backstage for a while and you kind of get to know them. And it was almost like you, we had these like secret conversations that only we'll get to know about. And then there's, it's almost like you have like a little secret together, but I don't know. It just, I feel like I still would get super excited to talk to people that I really, really adore and admire. But at the same time, I just would force myself to have a conversation and like be in the moment, I guess. Like to me, the reason I love doing what we're doing right now is like, yes, other people are going to listen to this, but like right now it's just the three of us talking. And that's just like a cool moment for me in a world where like, it's hokey, but like people are always doing a million things at the, at the same time. Mm-hmm. I think that's why I love reading so much. Cause like when you're reading, you're sitting down and you're just, it's you and that story. Like we're just sitting here talking and it's just the three of us talking. And that's how it is with me. And when I was talking to authors, I'd be like I'm talking to insert person here. I'm, you know, I'm talking to Jason Reynolds and for this 45 minutes, Jason Reynolds is talking to me. We're not doing anything else. And so that would kind of like center me, I guess, and calm me down and be like, then he's probably going to go off on a private jet and go to something fancy. And I'm going to drive my Ford Focus back to Cleveland. But in this moment, we're just here having a conversation. Oh, that's so cool. I love that. I love that. I feel like that could be another podcast episode that you're going to need to come back and maybe give us more scoop on that. Yeah, I'll have to like shower before I name drop for 45 minutes, but I'll happily do it. (laughs) We love it. We're like, tell us more about when you spoke to this person. I was very sad to see you leave the podcast, but I am still glad that you're online talking about books. And you want to say your handle? Oh, yeah. So if people want to still see book recommendations from me and I need to do better at it, I have an Instagram account that uh, he cooks and he books. Or maybe he books and he cooks. I should probably confirm that one way or the other. He cooks and he books. Thanks. Yeah, I I love it. We will definitely link to that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I still massive, I'm a massive reader, obviously. And I try to cook from scratch at least one meal a day. Like I try to cook dinner from scratch every single night. And I've just gotten pretty good at it over the years. And like I've had so many people want, would try something I made and they're like, you should make a recipe book. I'm like, you don't have any idea how long that takes. So they're like, you should open up a restaurant. And I'm like, do you have seed funding for me? But I realized I could, right. you know, I didn't want to just, I knew I wouldn't be active like you guys are with just books. And I knew I wouldn't be active enough with food just to do that. So I was like, I'll just combine the two. And so you'll see like, it'll be a reel of me making ratatouille. And then it'll be like a picture of me cheesing with a a book that I've read. So check it out if you would like to. 
Absolutely. And I, you know, I'm for people having multitudes. Like we're not just readers, right? We have other interests as well. So I don't think there's anything wrong with that. We also had a very interesting conversation once about heirloom tomatoes. I was like, Adam, what is that? (laughs) And he was (laughs) baffled. Like, Tina, they have these in the Midwest. I promise you, like you can get these. (laughs) I, you, it's not like you live in like some far away land. You live, like you said, five hours from Renee and I, you should know. Yeah. I'm 18 miles from downtown Chicago. Surely I can get an heirloom tomato, but I'm, you know, I, I cook, but I'm not as, it's not as pretty. It's not technically from scratch. So I appreciate those posts. I'll send you heirloom tomatoes next spring. <laughs> Sounds good. Do you pop up regular recipes? Because I do not enjoy cooking in any way, shape or form, but maybe you would, could teach me something. Yeah. So I, what I always like, I jokingly tell people, like, I like to joke that like I'll hear all these professional chefs be like cooking is like jazz and i kind of take that seriously though like i i don't follow recipes very frequently just because i've gotten good at like over the years just mixing like blending spices or just like cooking different things and my mom was a good cook but like she always laughed she's like i don't know where you got this from because like she's like i never made a butternut squash in my life and like i'll like give her butternut squash macaroni and cheese and she'll be like where did you come up with this i'm like i don't know i just kind of try stuff but i do when i on the on the instagram i do try to if i cook something i try to at least put in the comments i try to not be lazy and like explain what i did i know i need to get much much better at that of like the actual steps because in my mind i'm like just you know like brown the onions right add some of this (laughs) it's fine you can figure it out you know yeah throw in some zatar and people are like what are you talking about see i do know what that is yeah (laughs) i I do not. (laughs) It's just a wonderful (laughs) blend of spices. All right. So we're going to switch to loving lately. Adam, do you want to go first? Absolutely. So I'm going to I'm going to cheat because I discovered this from my previous podcast. They were a sponsor once upon a time, but they're not now. And I spend my own money on it. Plum Deluxe Tea. If you are a tea drinker, I'm a coffee person as well, as Renee knows, since I was like, I think I posted (laughs) recently about a coffee that I love. Mm -hmm. But um, Plum Deluxe Tea is just, it's loose leaf tea. Like if you're familiar with like Tiavana as a place you might see at a mall back when we mm-hmm. used to all go to malls. Plum Deluxe Tea is like that, but it's a lot cheaper and they will mail to you anywhere in the United States, especially, but they have you know, black teas, white teas, red, herbal, whatever you want. But, like their flavors are just ludicrously good. And the guy who does it, he's just a small company. But if you go on their Instagram, like all of their photos are incredible, but all of their teas are just really, really good. And the flavors are super fun. Like um, and he does them by season. So right now he has like his fall winter ones. So there'll be like the things you might expect, like pumpkin spice, but then there'll be something like toffee marshmallow. And you're like, well, okay, I will try that. Or like pineapple sage. And you're like, yeah, I guess so. Absolutely. And like, I've probably bought, I don't know, like 30 different bags of tea from him. And each bag probably makes like 20 cups of tea. Every single one of them. I'm like, I'll like send it to my mom and she'll be like, what is this like sour cherry and chocolate? I'm like, just go with it. Just try like, every single flavor. He does not miss. Um, so yeah, Plum Deluxe tea. If you're a tea drinker, because I like, especially this time of year for the three of us in the Midwest where it's going to get cold and it gets dark. Like I like warm beverages. I drink a ton of water and I feel like I eventually need to stop drinking coffee at some point during the day. So like mm-hmm. tea, especially the, the ones that aren't black tea is a nice transition. So yeah, Plum Deluxe tea definitely check them out. I'm so glad you brought that. My husband loves tea. So I have a feeling that's going to be a big hit with him in this house. Yeah. My husband is also transitioning. He's cutting back on his morning caffeine. And even today he was like, where's the tea bags? I'm like, uh, <laughs> I didn't buy any. So we have no tea. 
Maybe I'll get him that for Christmas. He, I don't think he listens to the podcast very much. So so. He won't know. <laughs> no. <laughs> Just a warning to everyone. It is loose leaf tea. So like if I, what I do is I'll make it in a, I have a French press. So I'll make it in a French press and basically on a French press, it'll make like two big cups. But just like as a heads up for people, I know sometimes when it arrives, like it doesn't come with tea bags or anything, but you can get little tea filters. There's little fun tea filters on Amazon. They're like the shapes of robots or like cats sitting in your, like you can do all sorts of different stuff. So don't let that scare you away, but I just didn't want anyone to order it and send me a mean Instagram message. So yeah. And be be sure to send that he cooks and he books. Any mean messages can go directly to Adam. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Tina. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. Okay. I will go next with my very, very favorite nighttime eye balm. And it is Kanuka's Calming Eye Balm. It's a CBD hydrating balm. I get it from Ulta. It is... I think you could use it during the day. I use it at night. It's very thick. It's very balmy. It is good for fine lines, wrinkles. Basically, they say anything. I don't find that it does anything for dark circles. I still wake up with dark circles. But I do see a huge difference in dryness and fine lines. So main ingredients are CBD, manuka honey, grapefruit extract, which is a vitamin C extract, Uh, vitamin E, and a derivative of our very favorite hyaluronic acid. It's cruelty-free, gluten-free, has no parabens, has no sulfates. I love it. I cannot go a night without this. It's Kanuka's Calming Eye Balm. I have never heard of an eye balm before this. I have no idea how I came across this, but I absolutely love it. I use an eye cream during the day, but this, like I said, it's super thick. Mm, that makes sense. That's what makes it so balmy. great for nighttime. Really great. I love it. So Adam, are you big into skincare? Not even a little bit. Um, <laughs> no, <laughs> but I will say Manuka honey. You know what it goes great with tea. That's right. Plum Deluxe tea. If you want a little bit of sweetness, I, I brought it back around. <laughs> there you go. How about that transition? Nice. I used I love to it. podcast. Wow, honey. Well, what a, what a versatile little ingredient that is. That's right. All right, Tina, what do you what do you bring in? All right, I'll bring us home with a, a recommendation that I think any of us might be able to use us coffee drinkers. So mine is actually, though, just an Instagram account, and it is of this person. His handle is the micro barista on Instagram. So what I like about his account, I like my coffee pretty black. I don't like super sweet coffee. I typically drink it black with Splenda and skim milk. But during the holidays, I do like to dabble in a seasonal coffee now and again, but I don't like it super sweet. So I found this account and basically he takes Starbucks or Dunkin' Donuts drinks and modifies them so that there's less sugar. And he tells you exactly how to order and what the macros are for each. So for example, For a lighter iced peppermint mocha, he'll say, ask for a grande cold brew with one pup mocha, one pump peppermint, and a splash of half and half. And this is perfect for someone like me who gets decision fatigue. I panic whenever I go to Starbucks. I'm like, I don't know what I want. Will you tell me? What do I want? What do I look like I want? Like, I get so nervous for whatever reason. So this is perfect. And I know exactly how to order it. If you are a coffee lover, definitely check his account out. I look at it literally almost every time I order something from Starbucks, and his handle is at the macro barista. Yes, Adam? <laughs> I love this so much. Isn't it so good? That is 
That's genius. Yeah, it's really smart. He's got a huge following too, but I'm like, wow, this, it it just, it's perfect because you still get the flavors, but you don't have to have like, you know, 50 grams of sugar for your morning coffee. Well, and he's saving everyone time because no one has to experiment with their order Mm -hmm. and then say, oh, I, I just spent, you know, four or five bucks and now, and I don't like it. So next time I'm going to have to get less peppermint. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Or whatever. He tells you what to order, man. It's pretty great. That's awesome. Tea and coffee and skincare. You guys. All about right. self-care. All about <laughs> self-care. All right. Sounds good. Yes. All right, Adam, what's your latest read? Okay. So my latest read, I just finished it this morning. It's called Snowflake by Louisa Nealon. And I listened to the audiobook, which I will recommend mainly because I'm a sucker for a delightful accent and it's an Irish narrator. It's an Irish book. Just really, really wonderful. My like elevator pitch for this book would be if you like Sally Rooney books, but wish the characters weren't absolute garbage people. uh, (laughs) This is a Sally Rooney book where the people are kind of wonderful. Yay. (laughs) I have hot takes about Sally Rooney. I think I'm like the one person who does not. I don't think so. I just don't. She... Everyone she writes is just a terrible person. Anyway, I'm a really, and we'll talk, I'm sure we'll get into this a little bit later, but I'm a really big fan of books that are about family relationships. I like small stories with big emotions. And so this is the story of this Irish family. They live on a dairy farm. They don't have a lot of money. The main character's name is Debbie. She is 18 years old and she is like an hour away from Dublin where she's going on the train or in her car every single day to college, university. Sorry, got to get that right. It is a really, really wonderful story of like her trying to figure out her own life. And she meets this friend who this friend has a lot of money. And initially, everything seems like wonderful in her life. And uh, Debbie's uncle, Billy, lives with them and takes care of their dairy farm and is like trying to give his trying to give his niece like the best life that she can have. And, but like, it's really just this, this story. Like they have all of these really wonderful conversations, these different characters, whether it's Debbie and her mom, Debbie and her uncle, Debbie and her really good friend. They're just constantly having these conversations about their lives. And it's, it's this like introspective look at mental health and how no matter where we're at in our lives, um, it's very possible that you're going through something. And even if it looks like you're doing wonderful on the outside, there's probably, you're probably struggling with something and then the fact that that's okay. And they have these like tragedies and kind of like interspersed throughout and how they deal with them as differently as people. And it's just really, really beautiful. And like I said, I, I like a book where it ends in like, I don't like when books end and you're like, you just assume like happily ever after or something like, no, like the, the characters in those books in theory, continue living on. And so I like a book that's really grounded where like it ends with a wonderful conversation and maybe like they're on the uptick, but you know, they're going to continue maybe struggling a little bit and and figuring out their life. So again, really, really grounded story about this wonderful family trying to figure out uh, their own mental health. So that is Snowflake by Louise Nealon. That sounds so good. And you said something that I want like printed on a t-shirt. You said small stories with big emotions. I've never thought of it that way and that like I always just say character driven but I think that's what I mean I don't need it you know I can hang with a book for a while if I'm really invested in the characters Mm -hmm. I'm much more about collecting sentences and collecting ideas and like getting that introspective look at somebody's life yeah at the end of the day for me it doesn't matter like and I'll read any type of book but it needs to move my emotions like I 
I was joking about the Sally Rooney thing. It's like, because I hate all the characters she writes, but I've read all of her books because I hate all the characters she writes. And it keeps like, <laughs> make me feel anything but apathetic. So if I hate your characters, you've written characters that are strong and have strong enough like character traits for me to hate them. I would prefer to love them or I would prefer that you just destroy me because I feel so attached to them. And then you have mm-hmm. something tragic happen to them, but like move my emotions. So yeah, I need a book that makes me feel something or else I'll happily ditch it. Oh, I second that. And then when you were talking about a little bit about the ending of that, it made me think of bittersweet endings, which I love. And I wanted to ask you, do you also love bittersweet endings? I do. Yeah. I like, I like all sorts of endings, but yeah, bittersweet endings are there. There is a book called, <laughs> my dog flaps his ears at us. Um, there is a book called the hundred years of Lenny and Margot, And I won't talk about how it ends. I talked about it. I think on pro book nerds. But yeah, it and you want to talk about bittersweet. It's gonna like I I was I took a picture of myself at the end of it so like I could remind myself on days when I was upset that like life's gonna be okay because I like am just an absolute wreck. But yeah, I love a bittersweet ending. I love like I said, I just want a book to move my emotions, no matter what that emotion might be. I do too. And guess what? That is sitting on my bookshelf unread. That's Snowflake. Yeah, I bought it at Barnes and Noble on a sale a long time ago. And, you know, I mean, Tina, it's in my den, which you saw that has a gazillion unread books. And I've promptly forgot about it until just now. Ta- Thank you. Are you talking okay. about the Lenny and Margot one? Yes. Yeah, that one. Yeah. That one, when you said, when uh, you were describing it, Adam, I was like, oh, you know what, Renee? I'll go ahead and let you have that one. Even though I would like to read it too, it is 100% your kind of book. I am so embarrassed. <laughs> my, I'm going to share my latest read. I'm going to go next because Adam's was so perfect and so beautiful. You have these characters that are like thoughtful <laughs> And have a perspective and get you to think about life. Mine is straight up (laughs) entertainment. My latest read is The Arrangement by Kirsten Modglin. Now, this book, I don't know. I didn't know a ton about it. The only thing I knew was that I had heard it was getting a lot of buzz on TikTok. I didn't know this author. I checked her out on Goodreads, had a ton of positive reviews and a lot of reviews. So it was getting attention, just not in anywhere that I had seen. So I'm like, you know what? I'll bite. I was looking for something easy. I'm also reading Great Circle by Maggie Shipstead. So I needed something light and easy to uh, pass the time when I'm reading on my phone. So the arrangement is a popcorn thriller in the truest sense of the word. It is absolute brain candy. And while I did feel like it was rotting my brain a little bit, I was thoroughly entertained. (laughs) So you have Ainsley and Peter, and they're in that phase of life where it feels like they've lost their passion for each other. Their kids are growing up. They have jobs and a beautiful home, but it feels like they're roommates. And more than anything else, they want to try and get back to where they used to be before they had kids. So Ainsley comes up with a plan. And basically, the book opens as they're right in the middle of negotiating their rules for their open marriage. They each get one day a week that they can go on a date with somebody else. No strings attached. No questions asked. And of course, things go so, so wrong. And we get introduced to one of my absolute favorite tropes. And I can't tell you about it because it's a major spoiler. But there was something that they introduced that I was like, okay, I see what kind of book this is going to be. There were so many plot holes. However, if you suspend your disbelief, I think you'll have a little bit of fun with it. It is pretty well known that this author writes a ton of twists. So I don't feel bad saying that there's things go fully into crazy town by the end. But it wasn't. It was kind of like the book Verity by Colleen Hoover, where it was just so off the wall, so batty, but 
very entertaining. That's the vibe that I got. I kept rolling my eyes, but then I would find myself being pulled back in to see what these two ding-dongs were up to. So I really liked it. It is a perfect book to read if you don't have a ton of time to really focus on something or if you want to pull yourself out of a book slump. And this one was The Arrangement by Kirsten Magdalen. Wow. I haven't heard of that book or that author. Did you listen to that or read it? I read it. I had it on Kindle Unlimited. One of my girlfriends had us download that for our In Real Life book club, Kindle Unlimited, um, because one of the picks she had was on there. And I'm like, all right, let me try this as though I need more books. That's the very last thing I need in the world. But I saw it on Kindle Unlimited and I recognized the cover, I think, from TikTok. Um, I think she's an independent author. I don't believe she's got like a deal with major publishers as far as I know, but she has like 25 books. So she does. She has a lot. Adam, are you tempted at all by popcorn thrillers? Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's so that's I one of the benefits of the podcast when we would we would go out of our way to interview very diverse authors because we wanted to support diverse authors. And because that I ended up like I I really will. Like if you would have asked me several years ago if I would read like a romance book, I would have probably done the guy thing like (laughs) no, but that's stupid and dumb. And any book, as long as it's well written, is a good book. So, yeah, I will absolutely read a popcorn thriller. I will read you know, a Tom Clancy novel or like a, a mystery or like a, a crime type of actually I remember Tina and I were talking about um Razor Razorblade Tears. Razorblade Tears. I read that because of your you did an Instagram post about Seattle. I will one hundred percent, Renee, I will absolutely read a popcorn thriller. I can't yeah, I can't every book I read cannot be something that destroys me and leaves me into a puddle. <laughs> you need a break. You need a break. I need a break ahead. sometimes, yes. yeah. All right. <laughs> okay. Sounds good. All right, guys. I am going to finish up the latest reads with Never by Ken Follett. This is my first time reading this author, although Pillars of the Earth has been recommended to me a million times. I have a feeling I should have started with Pillars of the Earth. I'll tell you about what, or I will tell you quickly what this is about. There is four alternating perspectives. This is billed as a political thriller, more, uh, a global kind of political thriller. Um, when I heard that, I I automatically had I Am Pilgrim vibes. And I was like, oh, I want another I Am Pilgrim. It wasn't. So in the, the, the free, okay, the first two perspectives, in the Sahara Desert, you have two elite intelligence agents. They're on the trail of a powerful group of drug smuggling terrorists. They are risking their lives And they fall desperately in love. They're from different countries. They're CIA. So there's that whole um, little bit of drama. Then also, you also have nearby a beautiful young widow who fights against human traffickers while traveling illegally to Europe with the help of a mysterious man who may not be who he says he is. Then you have set in China, a senior government official with vast ambitions for himself and his country, and he is spying with someone from North Korea. So then you have the United States, and you have uh, President Pauline Green, who is the country's first woman president, and she navigates terrorist attacks, illegal arms trading, and something that seems to be brewing and on the horizon with China. She will do everything in her power to avoid starting an unnecessary war. And this is what's going on with kind of the China, North Korea. This was a 24 hour audio book. I don't I don't know that I paid attention to that when I started, but I thought, okay, fine, I'll I'll speed it up. 
I was, this would have been a, this was five stars for me. The beginning, I absolutely felt like, oh my gosh, this is Homeland, the TV show Homeland, but in book form. And, and I was all there for it. Cut to hour 13. And I was like, I, I messaged Tina and I was like, oh my gosh, I think I'm going to DNF this. I can't, I, I can't. The amount of time that the back and forth was taking and all of the threads and all of the politics and all of the political details by, by not even halfway to a, what is an 814 page book. And I was like, I think I'm, I can't do it. I'm bored. Are we going to, are we going to get to the point of this whole thing? (laughs) I don't know. The writing was good, but I'm not sure why it was that long. And I ended up speeding it up. The only, and another big problem I had, the only perspective I really cared about was what was happening with the CIA agents in the Sahara Desert in The Young Widow. So those would be like tiny bits. And then we've get a whole long thing with President Green, who the author decided to give her a teenage daughter who was truly horrendous. I already lived through the teenage years. I don't want to revisit that nonstop with a mouthy, obnoxious, belligerent teenager. I don't know. I, you guys, I, I finished it, but I think I, I would give Ken Follett another try. How was the ending? How was the ending? Mm-hmm. Not great. No. Uh. I'll tell you without telling you. I mean, I, I obviously can't, won't and can't give anything away, but. Uh, there, the payoff was not there mm-hmm. for all of that. Yep. I, I am sure this is the start of a new series, if that tells you anything. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that was never by Ken Follett. Hate to be a, a downer. I wanted to like it more than I did. I'm glad you tried it, though. And I always, I guess that's my bias with authors that have a ton of popularity. I'm like, is it really worth 800 pages? Are you are you just getting a pass because you have so many books out there already? Now, I don't know. Now, Adam's laughing. He's on mute. Go Adam, on. what do you Chime think? Chime in. <laughs> Listen, I will say... Do you know him? I ad- oh, God. I adore Ken Follett. <laughs> I, I, I interview him. I wouldn't say I know him. No, I haven't read... I haven't read Never. I know that one just came out. I am Pillars of the Earth. I am a massive... I've read all the the trilogy of it. And then he wrote a uh, prequel that came out last year called The Evening in the Morning. And I like those books because they're very, um, that particular series is like set in the Middle Ages. Like Pillars of the Earth is literally about a guy who his name's Tom Builder. And like, it's his, basically it's the story of his life building a cathedral. And he does this thing with his older books like that, where it's like, there's three different storylines. There's like a kind of peasant storyline. There's like a religious storyline. And then there's like a royalty storyline. And they kind of all intertwine throughout. And exactly what we were talking about, the terrible teen. The reason I was laughing is because he always has like these horrible characters where like something good will happen for the good character. And then you're like, all right, well, something terrible, it's about to happen. It's going to get, he does these cycles. Cause like you said, they are all like eight to 900 page books. I haven't read that one. I love, love, love Pillars of the Earth, that series. So I won't judge never, but I would say you, I think you're right. If you were going to give, can follow out another try i would check out pillars of the earth but it is i mean it's a 900 page book about building a cathedral so just like buckle up for a little bit of like i'm gonna talk about buttresses like there's gonna be some <laughs> stuff in there that may if that like to me it's soothing but i totally get where you're coming from but no 
I interviewed him. I don't know him, Tina. So no Got judgment. <laughs> no, no. I was just curious. And, and as I said that, I thought, wow, I have talked to, I think, four authors in my life and on Instagram. And it was so fun. I could, I was just thinking, like, if you've interviewed so, so, so many authors, it gets probably difficult to, I don't know. It makes me think. How do you find a way to be objective? Well, I will be honest, when I was working for Overdrive, obviously, at the end of the day, Overdrive, even though it's a library company, they're booksellers. The way they make their money is when libraries buy books. So yeah, we would, there were a few, like, we would have to do author events where like our Overdrive would be putting on a special sale about like insert publisher here and like this line of books. So they'd be like, can you interview these four authors? And I'd read the books. I'd be like, these are kind of hot trash. Um, But at the end of the day, like it was my job to promote them. So, you know, it's interesting, but it's, it is what it is. But I did, like I said, it it brought in my readership a ton. I read so many books that I wouldn't have because of that, but yeah, read pillar. If I, if you're ready for another 900 page book and more importantly, a, I guess, you know, 2,700 page series, because there's three books in pillars of the earth. Mm -hmm. That one is very good. I'm a bad person to ask, though. I'm literally reading uh, Crime and Punishment right now, which is like a 900-page book. Oh. Oh, wow. I'm not afraid of Chunky Boys, but yes, I get that that's an investment, but I need a payoff at the end. That's why I'm like, oh, man. Well, you know, I, and I don't, and I feel like I was too negative with that because I enjoyed half of it. But, and I do think if someone is in the mood to really go deep in a political type of book, then absolutely that would be for you. But that's not really for me. For me, And I think I went into it thinking it, it's going to, oh, this is going to be another I Am Pilgrim. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I probably went into it with the wrong expectations. That happens. But no, I will. I'm going to hold off for now on Pillars of probably the Earth. Smart. Really, it's one of the books that gets recommended to me all the time. And I just keep avoiding it. Because of the cathedral. <laughs> Unsurprisingly, no one's ever recommended that to me. They're like, no, that is, this is not for you, ma'am. <laughs> All right. So, Adam, at this point, I think our listeners know what kind of books we like. But would you mind telling us a little bit more about the types of books you typically read? Yeah, absolutely. So, like I, like I mentioned, I read pretty much everything. Um, but I, like I said, I like those small stories with big emotions. But I was laughing. I was listening to a recent episode you guys did. I know how you both feel about magical realism. <laughs> I like magical realism very, very much. Some of my favorite books that I've ever read are kind of magical realism. I, I like that. Um, and it's a very fine line to walk when it comes to magical realism. Like you need to start telling a story that is grounded and you tell it for long enough that when you insert this little bit of magic, it's a twist, but you have to do it in such a way that it doesn't feel hokey or like cheating. There. I've read several books that I'm just like, that is not where you should have done that. But I I love a magical realism. I will read fantasy books. I need to be in the right mindset for those. But more often than not, like I, I really do love those kind of small stories about families, about emotions. Um, Wendell Berry is one of my favorite authors ever. And he is an agrarian author. He literally writes about like farm life and if anyone's ever read Nick Offerman's books, Nick Offerman adores Wendell Berry. He talks about him all the time. Yeah, I just love these like very, I love very, very emotional books. I am a, uh, yeah, I'm a very emotional reader for sure. Mm-hmm. So then are you a mood reader? I, I think so. 
a little bit. I I mean, obviously, like if I see a book that I'm not interested in, I won't read it. But I very much like when I'm looking for a new audiobook, when I'm looking for a new book, I I usually know what I'm going to go purchase, obviously. But if I'm like borrow if I'm borrowing a, an audiobook on Libby, I will go to their like most recently added to that particular library and I'll see what's available and I'll just scroll through. That's how I found Snowflake. I was like, I don't know. I was just like looking for what they had most recently added that I might not have heard of. And I grabbed it. So not a mood. I don't know that I'm a mood reader per se, but I'm definitely like a cyclical reader for times of year, for sure. Mm -hmm. Like I'll find myself reading like books like Practical Magic in the fall type of a person. Mm -hmm. Uh, When you said you want to feel emotions, is that usually you want to be moved to tears or are you happy if you finish something and, and you feel super happy and wow, that or you laugh the whole time. Are you good with that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, whatever the emotion is, I, I yeah, I, whether it makes me smile, like because obviously I love those feel good books where wonderful things happen like that. That's great, too. Yeah, I just want I just want to like feel attached to the book. I hate finishing a book. And then if you ask me like two days later, what was your most recent read? I'm like, <laughs> um, it was there was a cat on the cover. Like I, I want to be able to, <laughs> I want to be able to remember it. And I find that like the books that I like most, not only are the books that like move my emotions, but when they do, I continue thinking about them because I'm like, why, why did that make me cry or why did that make me laugh so much? And those are the ones that stick with me. How do you keep track of your reading? So I use the story graph, which is sort of like Goodreads, but in my opinion, it's much better. It isn't attached to Amazon for one, which is nice. And I know people have their own opinions on that type of stuff. But uh, the story graph gives you like a lot more interesting data on your on your reads. I don't really I don't track super close, especially now. I find when I used to set like a a goal for the year, I'd be like, I got to get to 120 books. I got I, I, that's all I was doing was I was thinking about it, it was like this year for the first time. This is probably going to be the most books I've ever read in a year. And I haven't thought about it because I just mm-hmm. didn't set a, a like a number for myself but the story graph is pretty cool it'll tell you like the pace on on average like the the pace of books that you read the mood of the books that you read the like subgenres that you are most interested in that maybe you don't wouldn't realize and then it also it really get, it gets really good at honing in on recommendations for you which are really really cool because it'll pull up books you've never heard of but it'll be like you've read like four different books that are you know set in the pacific northwest in the past six months so like maybe you should check out those books so yeah the story graph is really really cool they just I think they just launched like last year or two years ago, mm-hmm. but it's an African-American woman who owns it. And like, it's just, it's so much better than Goodreads. It's so much like yeah. s- less toxic. And I, I think we're both on it, right, Tina? We are both I just on don't, it. I, I don't use it. Mm-hmm. So maybe in 2022? Mm-hmm. I was just going to say, maybe in 2022, that'll be one of our goals is to get better about using that as opposed to Goodreads. Because you're right, Goodreads doesn't do much for me. I've just been on it for so long that mm-hmm. it's just habit, I guess. Yeah. And the nice thing is like you can pick for the story graph when you if you like find a book you want to read and you want to find a link to it. It doesn't just give you an Amazon link and like no shame, Amazon. If you own Goodreads, you should link to, to your own stuff. Like I'm not hating on them for that. But the story graph is nice because you can like if you want to look at for that book at a indie close to you or, you know, like a local bookstore, it'll help you connect to those things a little bit easier. So plus there's less creepy guys on story graph oh, I would imagine gosh. every time I log into Goodreads and there's a random person I accept they're like hello how are you and I'm like how oh why gosh. this is same. not what that's for same same it's so bizarre what about the review aspect 
of of Storygraph. Can you can you tell us quick? So yeah, they so they have a they let you write in your own, but they also ask like they have specific questions that they'll ask about each book. Like it'll say, was this book more character driven or plot driven? Would you say this was a fast pace or a slow pace? Would you say a character flaw was the main aspect of the book? And so they use that, and then it helps provide better recommendations for people down the road. So yeah, they they do a really good job with the review aspect of it as well. Okay, awesome. Okay, speaking of both Goodreads and Storygraph, do you make a TBR? And if so, how strict are you? I don't. Like people are always bad. Full disclosure, when I worked at Overdrive, I was like the like I was royalty in the sense that like I didn't ever have to wait for books. Like I here's a little secret about when you're working for a bookseller. I would just email like the head of publicity at Penguin Random House and be like, hey, can you send me Ken Fallhead's new book? And they'd be like, yep, absolutely. I'd be like, hey, you know, Alice Hoffman has a new book coming out and they would just send it to me. I sound so privileged right now. And I was. <laughs> that should be uh, your benefit. We are here. No, we. I love it. Yeah. I, you, yes, exactly. It should have been. But this is all to say, like I, my previous TBR was always, I knew, I always knew what authors I would be interviewing the next like month or two. So I've actually, it's been kind of freeing the past couple months. Like I'll just open up Libby or I will walk into my indie bookstore. I'll be like that one. I want to read that one next. And it's been really, really nice. I do start to panic when I get close to the end of a book. So I'm like, oh God, what am I going to read next? But I don't, <laughs> like I actually, this is like the low, I have books around the house that I definitely need to read. But like, this is the shortest my TBR has been in so, so long. Cause I just, I don't know. I'm like freewheeling out here. I'm just finding mm-hmm. the books and whenever it, it suits me, I guess. You blew my mind when you said you open the Libby app, go to what's been recently added and just look. I'm like, wait, what do you mean? You don't consult like a hundred different sources like I do. And like deep, (laughs) I'm like, wait, you just like look at books and then borrow them and then read them. Like, I I can't relate, but it sounds great. (laughs) I know. I I feel like I was so, I needed to be so in the know. Like our most popular thing we did it on Pro Book Nerds was our monthly book. Like everyone would be like, we love your the books you would talk about that are coming out in the like the next month we that we're obsessed with those episodes and like i had to do a ton of research so i always knew what was coming out and like it's been kind of freeing now just to be like i i when we the next thing we're going to talk about i had to look up whose books are coming out in 2022 because i was like oh god who what books i want to talk about i had no clue Mm -hmm. because i haven't been paying attention to that kind of stuff i've just been finding a book that's available and reading it it's a novel concept i know it is that is amazing I love to hear about it. I, I can also can't imagine being that spontaneous. So I, I will steal this from Mallory O'Meara from Reading Glasses, my buddy. She has told me all the time, like, she'll find out a book that's coming out and then she wants to know as little as possible about it before going in. And so I do know, like, if the kind of hook gets me. I'm also very comfortable with DN, like with DNFing books. Mm-hmm. I just don't care. Mm-hmm. like life's, And I don't hold it against the authors. I just think life's too short to read a book you're not enjoying whether it's on page five or like you were saying at hour 13. (laughs) (laughs) And so I'm okay. Like if I don't feel connected to a book, I'll just drop it. And so I try to learn as little as possible, which has been really good. If I just like open up a book, I'm like, oh man, I recognize that author or an author that I like blurbed it. I'll just pull. Yeah, it is very freeing. So you are wearing your support your local library sweatshirt, which I love with your background with Libby. And what would you like to tell listeners that what do we need to know 
What are the shoulds and the do's when it comes to our libraries? Yeah, I'll give you a couple really quick. Okay. Because I know I'm being very verbose. It's going to be a long episode for you guys. Um, (laughs) One is find out where in your area you can get multiple library cards from. So like we live in Ohio and in Ohio, where I live, I can get a Cleveland Public Library card because I live in Cleveland. I can get a Cuyahoga County Public Library card because those are two different library systems. And in Ohio, I can get an Ohio Digital Library card, which means I have access to three different massive libraries in Ohio. And if I'm borrowing books online, that means I can use Overdrive or Libby and I can see three different collections. But they also do interlibrary loan. So you can get libraries that will like send you the phys- if you don't want to read an ebook or listen to an audiobook if you ask your library and they have interlibrary loan with other places they'll send you those library cards or those send you those books the other thing i would tell people is that just like and this may sound silly but i i did this before i left overdrive i did like a bunch of pro book nerds instagram reels where i was like here's a bunch of things you might not know about libraries libraries do so much more than just provide books like you can get vegetable seeds for your garden for free from a library you can borrow silverware or not or you can borrow like cooking ware from a library a lot of libraries will do live music on friday nights they'll do farmers markets they have book sales you can go and you can get like a lot of them might even have like artwork for sale you can use them as like meetup places for your book club or your you know if you're working at a, a local company and you need a place to meet like I would just go on your library's website. There are so many things you can do for free with a library card. You can get a New York Times like free subscription from most libraries just by going on their library. Like if you just go to your library's website, they'll have all these different things available for you to do. And especially now where so many different people are just being idiots and challenging books and saying like, we shouldn't have these books in libraries. Like fine, maybe it's tough to beat the system. And like, you know, maybe you feel really defeated and you can't, support your library by helping them keep those books in there. But what you can do is you can go to that library. You can ask a librarian for a book recommendation. You can go when they're doing a farmer's market. Um, like there's just so many things you can get from a library. Even if it's just like, they still have video games and movies and board games and stuff you can like borrow and use. If you're a tabletop game nerd, like you can go get a tabletop game to play with your friends. Like there's just a million things you can do with a library card and mm-hmm. just go to your library, go check it out. And or just like, go sit there. Just like, go sit in the library, put your mask on, socially distance, <laughs> go sit in the library. It's just like soothing. It'll calm you down. I think you're absolutely right. And we are so lucky to have this. I mean, I know like, you know, tax dollars pay for it and things like that, but we are so lucky. We have listeners in other countries that say like, what do you mean? You know, we don't have this resource in, in certain places. And I'm like, Hearing you talk about it makes me just take a step back and appreciate all that we've done. I've spent so much of my life in a library. Yeah. yeah. And, right, don't be afraid to check out books. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and at the okay. end of the day, also check out books, of course. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Well, so, you know, some people feel like they shouldn't take out that many. But, I mean, I like to get a humongous stack. So, yeah. And I will say it's a way to support authors. If you get that humongous stack, even if you don't get to them, the more books that are borrowed, the more books the library will. But the well, libraries get funding to buy these books. And when they buy those books, they buy them from the publishers who then pay their authors. So if you see a book that you're interested in and your library lets you borrow a bunch of books at the same time, borrow a bunch of books at the same time. And if you don't get to it, to return it in two weeks and then maybe borrow it again in three months when you want to read it. Yeah. Don't feel ashamed. Grab a giant stack of books. Oh, Plus, that'll that help you build your muscles. You'll, you know, you'll walk out with all those books. <laughs> there you go. 
Should we get into book lists? Yeah, we've been talking for a while, but I know. I'm sorry. I'm very long winded. Uh, no, this is amazing. No, I love it. We do this on our own this anyway. So, <laughs> right. We always say, Adam, every time we sit down, we say, we're going to keep this under an hour <laughs> for John, but we don't usually do that. And he tells us, no, just talk. What do you mean? This is great material. So, Adam kind of already told us as that you were not already researching 2022 authors. No, I had to do okay. this this week. Good. We gave you a right. homework assignment. You did. Okay. So I was, Tina and I both have already brought several. So it was kind of fun to see who I would still consider a favorite and then find out if their books are coming out. So that was, that was super fun. So yes, I'm ready if you guys are. Yeah. Adam, why don't you go ahead and start first and tell us your first book. Okay. So my first one is... At the End of Everything by Marika Niekamp. Marika Niekamp was the first person I ever interviewed at for Pro Book Nerds ever. And I interviewed her like seven times after that. Just a wonderful human being. They are from the Netherlands. They know like 12 languages. And I rarely felt less intelligent than when I talked to them. Um, but they wrote This Is Where It Ends, which was like one of the best books of the decade, I think it was called by time. But I'm just going to read you the description of this one because obviously I haven't read it yet, but it comes out on January 25th, so it don't have to wait too long. The Hope Juvenile Treatment Center is ironically named. No one has hope for the delinquent teenagers who have been exiled there. The world barely acknowledges that they exist. Then the guards at Hope start acting strange, and one day they don't show up. But when the teens band together to make a break from the facility, they encounter soldiers outside the gates. There's a rapidly spreading infectious disease outside, and no one can leave their houses or travel without a permit, which means that they're stuck at hope at this time no one is watching out for them at all as supplies quickly dwindle and a deadly plague tears through their ranks the group has to decide who among them they can trust and figure out how they can survive in a world that has never wanted them in the first place every one of marika's books is extremely diverse um but from a cultural and sexual background with all of their characters and they have this unique way especially in this is where it ends like two May just destroy your brain and your heart and then put it back together. Those are my dogs in the background. Um, so yeah, that is At the End of Everything by Marika Ecom. That sounds wow. Great. Oh, that's a great, great, one. great one. They are wonderful. This is where it ends. Again, that it's it's a trigger warning. It's about a school shooting. It's a fictional school shooting, uh, but it ends in a hopeful way. But yeah, it's an incredible book. Okay. My first recommendation is from an author that I know both Renee and I love. It is Carola Lovering. Mm. I loved her two previous books, Tell Me Lies and Too Good to Be True. And I feel like it's rare for me to find a, an author with a first book and a second book that I'd highly recommend. So I'm very curious to see if she can have a hat trick. Uh, her next book is called Can't Look Away. And this one doesn't come out until June 14th, but I wanted to share it today. And the thing about her books, and I think the reason why they stick with me, is because she sucks you into the relationships with these characters, and the relationships are messy. And I feel like she tells a very entertaining story without it feeling like you have to dis suspend your disbelief as a reader. So in Can't Look Away, you have 23-year-old Molly. She is a barista with dreams of becoming a writer. Unexpectedly, she gets into a whirlwind romance with Jake Danner, who is the lead singer of a band. He writes a song about her and it ends up putting their band on the map, furthering his stardom. And then the book jumps to nearly a decade later, where Molly has given up on her writing and is living in Connecticut with her young daughter and her husband, who is definitely not Jake. 
Her new life looks perfect on the surface, but she's lonely and she feels out of place with the other women in their wealthy suburb. They are also having fertility issues and she meets Sabrina, a newcomer to town, and she finds that Sabrina is also having fertility issues. So they bond over that. And Molly thinks, okay, I've really found someone uh, who can be a friend here. However, it turns out Sabrina has ulterior motives. Her secrets slowly come out and her connection to Molly becomes clearer, as do the secrets of Molly's own, which she's worked hard to keep buried. Jake's song gets remastered and gets released again, kind of like Taylor Swift. But as the song comes back out, it's about her. So it really forces her to question her life. What happens when your life turns out nothing like you thought it would? And do we ever really get over our first true love? It sounds like it's more domestic suspense and psychological thriller, but she is the queen of mess, so I'm very curious to see how this turns out. This one's Can't Look Away by Carola Lovering. Yes, definitely want to read that. All right. What you got, Renee? All right. I am starting with one of my auto-buy, auto-read authors, Lisa Gardner, and she is coming out with One Step Too Far. Comes out January 18th. 2022, obviously. This is the second in her new series starring Frankie Elkin, who is a missing persons expert. And in this installment, she is going into a national forest to look for a young man who disappeared without a trace. When the search team encounters immediate threats to their survival, Frankie realizes she's up against something very dark and she's running out of time. So that's really the basis of, I mean, it's a setup. It's an easy setup. She wrote, it's a mystery. And I did read the first one. So I do love Frankie really, really love her. So I think that if you start with the first one, I'm sure you can jump into this one because Lisa Gardner always gives you enough information to do that. But these are just really, really good puzzles. Mm -hmm. And you know, I love a good missing person and especially if they are out in nature or they're in a forest and disappear, I love it. So that was One Step Too Far by Lisa Gardner. Okay. All right. Uh, my second one is Sea of Tranquility by Emily St. John Mandel, who wrote The Glass Hotel and also Station Eleven. Um, this one is not a simple setup. There's actually a lot going on in this one. But uh, Edwin St. Andrew is 18 years old when he crosses the Atlantic by steamship. Exiled from polite society following an ill-conceived diatribe at a dinner party, he enters the forest spellbound by the beauty of the Canadian wilderness and suddenly hears notes of a violin echoing in an airship terminal, an experience that shocks him to his core. Two centuries later, a famous writer named Olive Lewin is on a book tour. She's traveling all over Earth, but her home is the second moon colony, a place of white stone, spired towers, and artificial beauty. Within the text of Olive's best-selling pandemic novel lies a strange passage. A man plays his violin for a ch- uh, for change in the echoing corridor of an airship terminal as the trees of a forest rise around him. Um, so Emily St. John Mandel does a really good job of writing very, very strong human being, like personal stories in these wild situations. And I'm sure this will be uh, very much the same. So that is Sea of Tranquility by Emily St. John Mendel. I know that's a biggie. I know a lot of people are excited about that one. What do you have, Tina? All right, next for me is The Fervor by Alma Katsu. And this is another author that Renee and I have both brought to the show. 
Amakatsu is the author of The Hunger, which I absolutely loved. And what I love about her writing is that she gives us a wholly unique story, but it's meticulously researched. So in the fervor, she is using the Japanese-American internment camps in World War II as a jumping off point, but she gives it a psychological and supernatural twist. So we're set in 1944 in Idaho, where Maiko and her daughter, Aiko, are desperate to return home. Their dad slash husband got sent off to the Vietnam War. And so they were taken for their home in Seattle and sent to one of these internment camps. Didn't matter that their daughter was born in America. They were Japanese and therefore considered a threat by the American government. So they basically do their best to hold on to old elements of their life in the camp, but then a mysterious disease begins to spread among those interned. What starts as a minor cold quickly becomes spontaneous fits of violence and aggression and even death. And the women figure out that something sinister is going on, and they team up with a newspaper reporter and a widow to investigate and try and uncover the mystery as to what's going on in the camp. I really like that this one is inspired by Japanese folklore of yokai, which is a ghost or goblin that can shapeshift. And so the fervor explores a supernatural threat beyond what anyone saw coming. There's a mysterious contagion, and basically there is this rush to stop the spread before it's too late. You know I love a plague, and this one sounds right up my alley. It is The Fervor by Alma Katsu, and it comes out on April 26th. Okay. That is exciting. I didn't realize she had one coming out. Mm -hmm. Good find. All right. Next for me is Dark Horse by Greg Hurwitz. Comes out February 8th. And uh, I read every book in this series. I have read every book in this series. This is his Orphan X series. You don't have to start with that, but they're so good. If you like propulsive thrillers of with very, very, very smart protagonists. And the um, synopsis of this one is Evan Smoke, and Evan is Orphan X. He is back. He has many identities and a challenging past. As Orphan X, he was a government assassin for the off-the-books orphan program. After he broke with the program, he adopted a new name and a new mission, the Nowhere Man. As the Nowhere Man, he helps the most desperate in their times of trouble. They basically just call a number and he will come and help. Having just survived an attack on his life and the complete devastation of his base of operations, as well as a complicated relationship with his neighbor, Evan isn't interested in taking on a new mission. However, one finds him. And that person is a Texas drug kingpin whose 18-year-old daughter is kidnapped by the cartels and taken to their compound in Mexico. So basically, this is going to be Evan taking on the drug cartels. And I cannot wait to read it. I love this series. It is very fast-paced. I mean, I cannot say enough about this. I don't think it gets enough Attention for Thriller Lovers, and that's Dark Horse by Greg Hurwitz. If I love a plague, Renee loves a cartel. (laughs) I do. I do love a story about a cartel, and I especially love, I love when there is a protagonist like Evan Smoke, who is so smart and, like, has all the gadgets and all of, like, the. it's very, like, under the radar, very secretive. His life is, is he lives it kind of on his own terms and 
he's very vigilante. That is what he is, is a vigilante who doesn't follow the law um, as far as bad. He he hurts bad guys. It'll be interesting to see him go up against or, or to help a drug kingpin who's a bad guy. All right. Well, hopefully that one's good. I, I think it will be. All right, Adam. Oh, no, wait. Yeah, Adam is up. Yes. All right. So my third one of these, this is going to be really, really quick. Uh, it's called Amari and the Great Game by B.B. Alston. This is a juvenile fantasy book. It is the second book of a series, uh, Amari and the Night Brothers, which came out earlier in 2021. Um, basically, if you're a fan of Percy Jackson or Artemis Fowl or Harry Potter, but you want a Harry Potter that's inclusive, this is like, it's just a perfect, fun, wonderful series. Uh, the main character's name is Amari Peters. It's exactly the type of story you would expect. Amari Peters discovers that she has some sort of magical powers. She goes to a magical school. Incredible, crazy hijinks happen. There's a whole like league of magicians. It, there's just, it's everything you would want in like a children's fantasy book. It's like the next in my mind of like His Dark Materials, Chronicles of Narnia, again, like Harry Potter, all these types of books. It's just wonderful. And like I said, bonus is like the characters are just wildly diverse and inclusive and just so, so wonderful. I'm so excited for this. I'm so glad that the first one was a New York Times bestseller. And so it seems like B.B. Austin's going to get to do the whole series, which is delightful. I'm not even going to talk more about it. Like, if you like magic and you like wonderful children's books, this is going to be just perfect for you. So that is Amari and the Great Game by B.B. Alston. Oh, sounds, sounds good. You said the inclusive part. I'm like, oh, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's. I just I'm got right. into middle grade, Adam. Recently, yeah. recently. <laughs> this this one the and like you can because we're all adult readers like you'll tear through the first one. It's just so easy to pick up and just pour over. And I can't wait to read this one with my niece. So it's really, I know, and you're really making Aww. me feel like I thought I was a little bit of a wide reader. And then I'm like, no, you are not. <laughs> in fact, a wide reader, <laughs> because let me tell you about my second one completely in my wheelhouse. This one is The Book of Cold Cases by Simone St. James. I really liked her last book that I read of hers called The Sundown Motel. And I always like when a book has something about cold cases in it. This book comes out on March 15th, and it also has a true crime blogger in it. Probably going to be overplayed at some point, these true crime bloggers, true crime podcasters, but I'm still into it when I see it in fiction. Basically, this girl gets more than she bargained for when she interviews the alleged female serial killer. Shay Collins. And so in 1977, there was two seemingly random guys murdered with the same gun. And this Shay Collins was accused of it, but eventually was acquitted. And she retreated to the isolation of her mansion. In present day, you have Shay, who again works as a receptionist by day and a true crime blogger by night, and somehow gets this woman to agree to an interview. They regularly meet at Best Mansion, and things get very spooky. Items move when she's not looking, and she can swear she sees a girl outside the window. But she's too interested in this interview to uh, break things off, so she really, really wants to see, even though this house seems a little bit haunted. She's trying to decide, though, is she making friends with a manipulative murderer, or are there other dangers lurking in the darkness of the Greer house? I love a spooky house. However, they can be very hit or miss for me. So fingers crossed that this one is a hit. This is the book of Cold Cases by Simone St. James, and it comes out on April 26th. Yes, that sounds good, Tina. I also like Cold Cases. Have you read this author? Uh, yeah, I, I think I read Broken Thing. What was that called? Broke The Broken Girls. The Broken Girls. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Broken Girls. Yeah. Yes, long time ago. This one sounds good, though. All right. Bring us All home. Right. 
Ah, all right. My last book is something that we've talked about recently that uh, I said I hadn't read, which is a memoir in essays. And this is Bomb Shelter by Mary Laura Philpot. She is the author of I Miss You When I Blink, which I loved. And she's back with a powerful new memoir in essays that tackles the big questions of life, death, and existential fear with humor and hope. Philpot is a self-described lifelong worrier, and she has always kept an eye out for danger, a habit that only intensified when she became a parent. But she looked on the bright side, believing that as long as she cared enough, she could keep her loved ones safe. Then, in the dark of one quiet pre-dawn morning, she woke abruptly to a terrible sound and found her teenage son unconscious on the floor. In the aftermath of a crisis that darkened her signature sunny spirit, she wondered, if this happened, what else could happen? And how do any of us keep going when we can't know for sure what's coming next? These essays illuminate what it means to move through life with a soul made of equal parts anxiety and optimism, the ways we continue to grow up long after we're grown, and the limits, both tragic and hilarious, of the human body and mind. And that was Bomb Shelter by Mary Laura Philpot, coming April 12th of 2022. That's it, guys. That's it. Okay, bye. Usually the big joke is that I cannot sit still for this long. So by the end, I'm just like, all right, gotta go. Goodbye. You can probably also tell I'm in this tiny closet. So it really like messes with me to sit still for for an hour and a half. But all right. No, that was so, that was fun. Anything else before we close? Do you have any other burning questions or burning thoughts you want to get to the people? I don't personally. <laughs> okay. So. I don't think so. All right. So that was so fun to talk about books that we are looking forward to. And Adam, thank you so much for joining us today. Can you tell the listeners where they can find you? Yeah. If you go to Instagram, it's he cooks and he books. Uh, you can find all of my book recommendations and uh, sparsely described recipes uh, <laughs> there. And I promise I will get better at that. So yeah, that's where you can find me. Perfect. And we will definitely link to it in our show notes. Yes. Thank you, Adam. I hope you come back. Well, we have more questions. At least I do. I know I do. I'm sure you do, Tina. Uh, so I was like, I could literally sit here for another hour, not sit here. Oh. I could walk around my house possibly <laughs> and keep talking to you for sure. <laughs> I could, I could definitely keep talking to Adam for another hour. Anytime you guys want. This is one of my favorite things to do. So I'm happy to do it. Thanks. And I texted my husband. I was like, John, he's such a pro. (laughs) You're going to love editing him. (laughs) It's so easy. (laughs) That's it for today. We thank you for spending a part of your day with us. And a big thanks to Adam for coming to the show. Links to all the books mentioned can be found in our show notes. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can help us by following us wherever you listen and by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps us get our podcast out to new listeners and grows our audience. Feedback and questions about the show can be sent to booktalketc at gmail.com. And you can connect with us both at booktalketc on Instagram, Tina at TBR, etc., and me, Renee, at It's Book Talk. Talk to you next week. In the meantime, remember, everything's better with books. And a big thanks again to Adam for coming on our show. Never mind. You're kidding. <laughs> I just said you're a pro. I just said you're a pro. <laughs> <laughs>
My wife literally called as you were doing that. I'm I'm going on mute. Go ahead. Classic. <laughs> All right. <laughs> He's now left the Zoom.